0: What's up, Awakened Human? I'm your host, Angel, and you're listening to Lit Up for Life, the podcast. I'm on a journey to discover what truly lights us up, to bring you everything you could ever want to know about building ecstatic confidence and truly soulful self-esteem. I'm here to gather and share all the practical tools and support you need to awaken the fun and free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful human? Thank you for being here. On today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with female founder Poppy Jamie. She is a British entrepreneur, former television presenter, the co founder of the accessories brand Pop and Suki, and the well being and mindfulness app Happy Not Perfect. So, we dive into life and mental health during quarantine, awakening your wild woman, and what it's really like to balance the pressures of entrepreneurship with living a healthy and happy life. So, put away the distractions, give yourself this gift of time. Time for learning and exploration. And strap in, babe, because here we go. Hello, hello, beautiful lady. Hi, Angelica,
1: Angelica Alana. I am so <laughs> excited to be on your podcast.
0: I'm so happy you're here, my love. I feel like it's fun for me to get to be in the other chair because I've been on your incredible podcast and I must say, you're one of the best interviewers I've ever sat in front of.
1: Oh, that is a real compliment. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's. I always think it's such a privilege to be able to ask questions. So, but it also helps when you have great guests, and you were a great guest.
0: Look at us, just showering each other <laughs> love, <bombs and> compliments. <laughs> so before we hit record, we were kind of discussing, like you know, life and. How life has been for us in this ever-changing landscape. And I know you are, and for our listeners who don't know, a founder and just an all-around boss babe and incredibly the busy life that comes along with that. And we were kind of talking about the transition into the life that is now because of the pandemic. So could you talk a little bit to like what this time has been like for you and what you've been growing through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my life before the pandemic, I was on an airplane every single week. I was living between America and the UK. And it sounds, I feel that I am such a kind of ironic founder of a mental health company. So for those of you guys that don't know, I have a mindfulness app called Happy Not Perfect that gamifies mindfulness. So basically gives you a workout for your brain called the happiness workout, or the sleep wind down and it takes positive psychology and asks you different questions each day and gives you little tools to kind of help you challenge your perspective. And it takes less than five minutes, and then we have loads of different meditations and content. And Angel, we met years Mm -hmm. ago and through Happy Not Perfect, and she recorded just the most amazing inspirational content series for us. So that's what I've been building. But in doing that, I had the least kind of (laughs) like mindful life. And every day I'd be doing, you know, my rituals on the app and my meditations and all that sort of stuff going, Poppy, like you are, aside from this, maybe very short window you're giving yourself, you live a very unmindful life because I was kind of chasing my tail and then the pandemic came. And in a way, and I say this with being quite hesitant, saying it's been a great blessing, Because I do realize that I've been in a privileged situation where I've had a safe base to be. And I know a lot of people haven't. But for me, it's been a time that I really, really craved. And it's been a lot of lessons. And one that is, why did it take a global pandemic to slow myself down and actually be rooted? Mm. Because honestly i've never felt so happy and mm. it's kind of weird considering that i've created all these tools to help people on their journeys but actually it was when i really slowed down did i kind of i suppose really experience i suppose the peace i've been trying to create for everybody else
0: oof why do you think it is so hard to slow down
1: i think that our culture does make it hard for us to slow down and also it depending on your kind of where you land on the people pleasing scale and i'm pretty high up <laughs> that you know since i was quite little have built these habits around oh gosh be nice say yes make sure that you're kind of ensuring that you know you're doing everything you possibly can for everybody else and then yourself ends up on the bottom of that pile and Actually, if I was really prioritizing myself, I probably would have half the diary that I had, but I was, I was a freelancer for so long. So again, a lot of people who are freelance, like listening to this, you'll know there we, you know, unintentionally develop quite a lot of fear around saying no to things because you're so worried that something may not come and that, that, and having certainty is something that, you know, it takes practice to have certainty. But my default was kind of, you know, just say yes in case tomorrow there's a no or tomorrow there's, you know, the jobs aren't going to come or whatever. So my core beliefs is that, you know, I grew up in a kind of like a family where working hard was like the main thing that we were taught. It was like just work hard, work hard, work hard. So the mixture of the combination of all these different factors, when they are kind of mixed up in my own cake mixture that makes poppy. It was quite hard for me to slow down because I had the, you know, ingrained belief that I just need to work harder, work harder, work harder. I then, you know, a people pleaser, which I have to work very hard, not being and valuing myself. And then culture is this kind of go, 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 go. And everything that our culture, you know, celebrates and supports, which is this kind of lifestyle of busy. So the thing is, is that intellectually, I know all of these things. I can go, gosh, you know, there are so many things that are kind of causing us to be busy, but also I one of the greatest lessons I've learned in this pandemic is, you know, we've got to really do what we know rather than know what we know and not do what we know. Mm. <laughs> so oof, really, it was me who wasn't slowing down and I could find a million reasons, excuses to tell you why I wasn't.
0: Do you think there's a fear there, like not even necessarily just in you, but in the collective or or in you around slowing down? And if there is like, what is the fear? Because I also myself, sometimes I find myself rushing while I'm peeing. I'm like trying to force it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What are you in a rush for? Like, slow down, honey. Like I notice this impulse inside of me to rush even when it's not real. And so I guess you know, the coach in me wonders like, what's the fear there? And I hear you saying, you know, that you had that impulse to rush as well, wrapped around a bunch of conditioning that a lot of us have. And I want to get into that as well. But do you think there's a fear of slowing down? And if so, like, what's the fear or concern? Like if we slow down, then what?
1: I think that kind of going back to like evolutionary psychology, we are naturally inclined to have quite a scarce mentality. Mm. Because, you know, the reason why our kind of human race survived was because we're a species that kind of, I suppose, had that instinct of worrying that there wasn't going to be enough. So it would mean that we (laughs) would kind of, you know, spend extra, extra time trying to kind of find food and like worry about kind of maybe our shelter not being sturdy enough and then spending extra time making them sturdier. And as a consequence, we're here now, however many thousands of years later. And that tribe mentality that in aided our survival, I think is now kind of working against us. So yeah, I'm very kind of like, I give myself a lot of compassion over the fact that, you know, I think there's fear, obviously, like in just being human, because that helped us survive. Mm. And also, I think that sometimes it's fun to be fast, right? There's something (laughs) I actually quite loved about it, and running around the world, and I loved meeting loads of people and I love being in different places and I loved doing all these talks I was doing around America and there was a part of me that actually really loved it. So I think it's that kind of it's when that balance like loses balance. And I mm-hmm. had lost balance a few years ago and the excitement for it was still there, but I wasn't pairing it with actually listening to my kind of like run down body scream at me going, you need a rest. Mm. And also I think I was definitely someone who had eyes too big for their tummy. So, you know, I, someone would say, well, you know, can you do this and this and this? And I'd say, absolutely. It's like kind of a kid, you know, a children's play party. It's like, yeah, I can have like four pieces of cake and totally like load on sandwiches. And you're like, you can't eat all of that. And they're like, yes, I can. (laughs) and then four hours later they're like god that was kind of me
0: wow I so feel that my love what I'm hearing you say is like this balance between the human desire for variety and the human desire for stability and it's like it seems like on first glance that those two things would be opposing truths or opposing needs but in actual fact there is that dance that we can find that balance point between. Enough variety and stimulation, but also enough stability and rest and certainty. So, how would you say you're doing now in relation, and where would you say your balance point really is for variety and stability?
1: I think that is such an astute and interesting observation because I actually haven't really thought about it like that. And that is so spot on. And it's that kind of cognitive dissonance in a way that you're kind of, when you have like competing values, And and I definitely had like competing values as you just expressed, like so eloquent manners, you always do. Um what I do love about you, angels, you always break things down in a way that you go, ah, oh, that's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, bless you, my love. Well, this is the thing with the with the lockdown, I think that I hadn't prioritized my need for stability because I maybe took it granted I think in a way and so I was living life in a way kind of too much in my maybe kind of 15 year old mindset which was you know deeply frustrated at school and just so wanted to break out of you know kind of parental control and go explore and I kind of forgot that I grew up and I still had that kind of yearning to explore but completely forgot I needed the stability and so the lockdown gave me this incredible like forced stability and it has just been the most unbelievable time where I've you know I've been fortunate enough almost to be shown the value of stability and the value of routine and the value of the mundane yes and I used to be like allergic to like normal or routine. I'd be like, oh, you know, but oh my God, I love S- it. I just I feel you, I've like never felt so happy.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I feel that I was, you know, some years ago running around the world and traveling a ton and had the privilege to do that, but always chasing and had this kind of like almost addiction to variety. Mm-hmm. And you see that even just in social media culture and blah blah blah, like it's wiring our brain for that. But when I slowed down, now I'm like such a grandma soul. I'm like, oh my gosh. We'll be like, I feel a little bit funny. And Patrick's like, you haven't left the property in like six days. I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) just like on the mountaintop, like doing my thing, wandering around the bush, like so happy in the simplicity. And there is such a beauty there, but I do also see that correlation between youth and like wanting to explore. But it kind of made me think of something interesting. And I don't know whether you'll agree with this, but hearing you say like you kind of took for granted that stability. And I wonder like in a world where convenience, quote unquote, is getting more and more and we're building up all this technology faster and faster. It's like we went out to discover what is the meaning of life and we couldn't really figure it out. And so in the meantime, it seems like we've just been figuring out how to make our lives more, quote unquote, convenient and comfortable until we figure out what the meaning of this whole thing is. And that's like pushing us in this direction of, you know, fast food and like connected, like quicker than ever via our phone and able to order whatever we need and this amount of connection, but then underlying that it's like, we're forgetting the connection. So it makes me wonder, like you were talking about, we were humans back in the day and we were so focused on survival. Now it seems as humans, we're so focused on variety because we're almost too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it just made me when I was hearing you talk, I was like, wow, the level of consciousness. And I realize that not everyone, as you said earlier with the pandemic, like not everyone is safe. A lot of the population on this planet is still having to worry about their safety. But for those of you listening, I'm I'm gonna assume that, although I'm sure you have worries and concerns and sometimes, you know, worries about bills and all that kind of stuff, but You're listening to this on some kind of device. You probably have a roof over your head. So like the concern for us then can shift to like how much stimulation and variety can we literally jam into our human vessels? Mm -hmm. Because as you said, we're forgetting stability or the value of it. So I don't know, that just kind of inspired that little riff. So I wanted to share it.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought about it like that in terms of addicted to variety. And I also think there's a, to your point on the social media thing, there's this pressure. I mean, even if you look at kind of retail and fashion, there's this pressure to have kind of variety in your wardrobe. And again, that's an odd concept, right? Because something that, you know, the consumer world has kind of wanted us to believe. And so we would buy more, but really like just wearing, you know, your favorite t-shirt and jeans every day, what's wrong with that? And I mean, I basically spent five months in lockdown wearing I just alternated three different leggings and (laughs) a couple of black tops.
0: (laughs) It literally gave us that gift though, like reminded in the way, like, yes, there's a lot of pain and challenge in this, of course. And of course, that's usually the greatest catalyst for growth. And in that it's almost brought us back to this simplicity, like people are baking sourdough again, myself included. Like, you know, we're back to this like simple living in the home with your family. So how can we make that more comfortable? And yeah, you're rotating a couple of outfits. I mean, I didn't even fully realize or have any sort of pain or loss around my clothes. Like of course, when the house burned down, I was upset about a lot of things, but more the sentimental stuff that we couldn't get back. I didn't really think about my clothes, but I also realized that we went to San Francisco so that I could replace my passport. And in that we were like, oh, like, let's go for dinner in the hotel. And I realized I was like, oh, I don't have anything to wear. And then I had a little like heart, like, oh moment. And and I moved through it pretty quickly, but it's like the pandemic in that way for us was also a bit of a buffer, but because the world wasn't just continuing on and none of the stores were open to replace any of our stuff anyway. And then it, we realized like, you don't really need anything. As you're saying, like, do I really need to have, you know, a hundred outfits or like, do I just need clothes on my body and maybe some fresh underwear? Like, yeah, it's really seems to have given us in all our different ways. I'm hearing that from you and we've experienced that in our own way. And I wonder for anyone listening, like, has it reminded us of the gift of just like simple living, slowing down?
1: Absolutely, completely. And also it was a bit like, you know, when you take lo- uh, all your, you know, you know, sofa and chairs out a room and suddenly you go, oh, wow, the room is so big. Wow. Yeah. And it's just kind of like rearranging. And I kind of felt like that the pandemic was a bit like that. For example, really enjoyed being super simple, just wearing some leggings and a top. But then my first time where I could put on a dress I was so excited and that was such a lovely excitement again on a really simple thing like wearing an old dress that I hadn't seen for ages and that was exciting too And, and seeing people for the first time it was like all of these things we were able to do them for the first time and that was quite nice too.
0: Yeah. I feel like the sweet, it just isn't as sweet without a little bit of sour And life. Definitely. We can trust it to give us a little bit of sour. (laughs) So it's up to us to just like, yeah, lean into that, navigate that, trusting that the sweetness is going to come. So I wondered, could you take us back, slight pivot, to 17-year-old Poppy or however old you were when you graduated high school? Who was she and what was she like and what were her fears and her desires?
1: 17 year old Poppy was caught oh gosh my heart kind of breaks for her in a way she was so insecure and Mm. oh gosh I just think about she's gone I mean it's quite a long journey I guess and just the 17 year old me had you know she did not think that she was enough at all and just assumed that she had to try so much harder than everybody else and she really wanted to be seen and I don't think she ever really believed that she was seen and understood because I think that I've always kind of been a slightly different to I always felt like I've slightly different to kind of like the status quo Mm. or what was like deemed normal um My desires, I think I just so wanted to show people like who I really was Mm
0: -hmm. and my
1: fears were that I was like insignificant.
0: We'll be right back. Enrollments are officially closed for the Lit Up For Life membership and to all of my Lit Up Sister Goddesses and God Exes listening, I am celebrating the F out of you guys right now and having such a blast doing this deep work together. And for those of you who are new to the community or the podcast and who may have missed enrollments. Or for those of you who are in and ready for the next level, we are opening up applications for the group coaching container Awaken. Awaken is a 12-week program that takes you through the 12 most important initiations for any spiritually awakened woman. We walk through initiations like the higher self, divine communication, money and power, sensual embodiment, Pussy worship, a.k.a. tantra, healing the sister wound, inner child integration, all the things, so much more. And we do it all in a powerful container of sisterhood. Now, doing this type of work in a safe container of women has literally been the most profoundly transformative and pivotal experience of my own personal spiritual development. And that's why I am so beyond ecstatic to have this offering for all the women or femme identifying folk who are feeling called forward into this kind of in-depth spiritual education and initiation into deep sisterhood and community support. Every single week, you'll have a live transformational lecture on the week's initiation or topic. You'll have a group coaching call with me and six other sister goddesses and a custom designed guided practice to hold your own ceremony every week for each initiation. So if you are ready, head on over to www.litupforlife.com forward slash awaken for all the info and how to apply. Mm. I mean, it's like, I can resonate with that now. Like if I dig deep enough, (laughs) what would you say the journey has been like from her to who you are now as a woman and and navigating that existential human, human fear? I think most adults listening could relate to that, that we're not enough, that we're insignificant and that no one sees us. I mean, I have moments like that still now at 28. So could you tell us a little bit about, because obviously you're a badass boss, babe, and you are a confident woman from my perspective, and I feel you as such a whole happy, healthy being so what was your journey like from seventeen year old poppy to the beautiful radiant woman that you are now?
1: Well, thank you for saying that, and I think that to your point and to probably the company I created, happy, not perfect, I don't think that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that happiness is ever perfect, and yeah i'm I think it's I have many moments, but I think of feeling exactly like my 17-year-old self does. But now I feel like I'm able to, as soon as those have come up, I'm able to address them in from myself now, which helps me to use them for what they are Mm -hmm. and not be pulled down and kind of drowned by them, I suppose, because I think it's easy to be kind of taken over by our fears and they're also they have a tendency to kind of drag you down very quickly if you don't kind of nip them in the bud so but my journey has been long it has been full of pretty like low lows in all honesty like I think I had a really 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 tricky I would say 11 years old to honestly like this year and I've really felt a massive shift from this kind of pretty heavy identity that I was kind of carrying and didn't matter how hard I tried I was I felt it was really difficult to shed that skin Mm. and I want to tell everyone kind of I suppose the things I've done to like reach this place where I generally never thought I'd be able to reach and I do feel like happier than I've ever been. And that is so un- unusual. And I don't want to feel kind of sound too like, oh my God, things are great. Like, you know, nothing in my external environment has changed. It's been this long process of kind of in healing. And it's been really about taking the time to actually really do the work. And one of the things that has massively helped me, and I think like being maybe the catalyst for this kind of just, being able to really embrace those fears and I think in a way I had like a broken soul for a lot of years and that was probably the reason why I was so ambitious and the reason why I worked Mm. so hard because you know like many kind of make that mistake thinking that external validation is going to make you feel full internally and obviously Mm. kind of (laughs) learn pretty quickly it doesn't do anything And I have been writing this book and I almost have written myself like healthy in a bizarre way. And I don't believe that anyone like needs to even, you don't need to think that you're going to write a published book to be able to do this. But I think it's the process of journaling every single day and questioning your thoughts and why they're there and questioning the like, The truth of your thoughts. For example, like my thought that I'm insignificant, like really challenging myself on that, being like, well, are you? And, you know, it took many days of challenging the same thoughts, of challenging the same fears to go, actually, I'm ready to write myself a new narrative and I'm ready to. And the journaling really helped me have the strength to kind of like really ask myself, why? why I keep sticking to this old one like I'm not 17 anymore and that's what was kind of quite a big revelation for me was to remind yourself how much time has passed and I think it's quite easy especially when we're stressed especially when under pressure for us to kind of like retreat back to like our scared like 17 15 12 year old selves so it's been and it's just a practical tip for everyone running every day. It sounds so, I hated running and running every single day has also been the best medicine I have ever taken.
0: Wow. Hear that? He heard it here first, folks. Move your body and write about your feelings. And what I'm hearing you say is like the big point of difference between the 17 year old you and the you now is I'm perhaps oversimplifying it, but the capacity to realize that that voice that comes up and says you're insignificant or that voice of fear, there's a part of you now that realizes that's not a one-way conversation and you can speak back and you can question it. And I think that is one of the most powerful things that we can ever learn as a human, that those voices of fear or doubt that come up within us, it's not a one-way conversation that we can speak back. And it sounds like writing your book was extremely cathartic are we able to talk about the book that's so exciting ah uh, thank you yes yeah, so it's
1: being released next year and it's a big deep dive into all of this this is why i think your questions are very relevant for the book but the book is really just looking at how you know our core beliefs shape our life and building a framework to reflect on your feelings because i have always been someone who I say in the book like my feelings I often picture are like naughty kind of class when you're trying to manage all these children that do not want to do what you're telling them to do you know they're too loud they're rude they speak back they want to like do things at the times so you don't want them to do them, you know you don't want them to say things and that was kind of like my feelings they just would pop out at just the wrong <laughs> moments so just to, under, you know, to, rather than to kind of like push them away and numb and suppress and ignore them. It was a process of actually going, okay, let's have a look what's here. And so the whole kind of thesis of the book is around flexible thinking.
0: Mm.
1: And it's kind of, it was really inspired by this Shakespeare quote, which says, you know, there's nothing good or bad, just think he makes it so. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's so true. And it was, you know, again, the most simple things are the most profound things. And many people before me have written about them. And so it's just my kind of journey through years and years of talking to
0: experts you feature in the book, I might add. (laughs) Oh, how fun, my love. And I mean, what a journey it's been, by the way, we've been talking about you know, the vulnerable stuff and the challenges, which is really what we're here to do. You know me, I'm very Scorpio, honey. I love to deep dive. But, and also just want to celebrate you, like you're an incredibly successful, accomplished woman. So in the name of that, A, have you read the book Pussy by Regina Thomas Howard? A Reclamation? No, but I want to read that book. Okay, it's a wonderful book. But basically in that book, there's this idea called bragging, which we all know what a brag is, but essentially she's like repurposed it, given bragging a rebrand and said that, you know. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. She's like, because women are often, we don't brag or we don't celebrate ourselves and we don't even share, let's say with some of our closest friends, like the things that we're really proud of and that we have achieved because, you know, being held in your mess is really vulnerable. But I think sometimes celebrating or allowing yourself to be celebrated can be like, as vulnerable. And so she's got this idea that we should always like have a moment with our girlfriends or a friend and just call and like get your brags off your chest that you want to celebrate. So I want to talk about like what is success to you. But before that, can you do some brags for us, my love? You're such a queen. I want to celebrate you. I mean, one, you're releasing a book, but also give us some brags. What are you proud of right now? What are you celebrating? Um God, that is so opposite to English,
1: like conditioning where like you don't use self deprecate at all moments, and you're told that there's nothing more unattractive than bragging. What am I proud of? I am honestly proud of what I just spoke about, which is kind of having had this shift away from being so so overwhelmed by min by my insecurities to you know just. I suppose, like, I have to say, like, the running every single day, if I can encourage anyone to do it, like, I'm actually so proud of myself. Because talking to someone who, like, really hated running and, like, really despised an exercise regime, that's been quite, that's been something that I'm really proud of. What else am I proud of? You know, it sounds really silly, but I'm really, really, really disorganized. So I'm actually, like, proud of oh, doing boy. really silly stuff, like council tax, because no. I find that stuff Really difficult for some reason. like I'm much better at the big, you know, building a company. And then when it comes to like life admin, I'm really bad. So over lockdown, it's been my kind of time to like learn a bit of cooking. Again, I'm really good at like big scale stuff, but cooking, I can't do it for the life of me. So I've learned one recipe. So I'm actually really proud of small things. What's the recipe? What are you cooking us? <laughs> um, again, it's so simple. Well, I've just learned to do like fish <laughs> really
0: well. Yeah. Fishes, seafood's not an easy one. I live with a chef, honey. So I know that seafood is, that's a tricky one and definitely worth celebrating. Also the coach in me has to say old story update when you're like, I am not an organized or I am a disorganized person or I'm bad at this. I'm like, unsubscribe from that story, my love. <laughs> yeah. Unsubscribe. Yes. Unsubscribe. I'm unsubscribing. So yes, I'm becoming more organised. I'll refrain it, and I'm becoming better at admin. The English and you had to throw in a little bit of self-deprecation in the brag, right? Yeah, (laughs) it's like (laughs) having all self-celebration. But what do you think? I mean, yes, the English culture. There's a little bit of that in the Australian culture too. Definitely more than the American culture where I live now, which I actually love how much people are willing to celebrate themselves here. I'm like, yes, Queen, get it. I Find it very inspiring. But we were also talking about people-pleasing earlier. Do you think for women is it like a Do you think women find it harder to celebrate themselves? And how do you think that this conditioning that we have, like we were saying, or like you were saying earlier, like to people please and to not celebrate ourselves, like, do you think that conditioning is more focused on women? Absolutely.
1: And I think that I don't know this and I haven't looked into the research, but I imagine kind of we've also inherited from our mothers and a kind of bias to people pleasing. Because, I mean, for me, especially, I have two brothers, but I was told and taught very, you know, from a young age that be nice, be polite, be likable, you know, don't make people cross. And, you know, I learned that that was the way to do things. Um, But Mm. I don't think all women are people pleasers. And because my best friend, for example, she really isn't. I mean, and that's why I love her so much, because we're yin and yang. and. And she's really doesn't have that people pleasing. She's happy to tell people no. And she doesn't like that. And this is why I love having friends that are so different from you because mm-hmm. she's actually really taught me to like lessen the people pleasing. She's like, you don't need mm-hmm. to do that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, I'm actually kind of like trying to like lessen the conditioning really from my mother because my mother is the ultimate people pleaser. So it, I love, I love having friends who are really strong women who aren't people pleasers and funnily enough like most of my best friends aren't people pleasers and I think I've probably chosen them for a reason because I love that quality about them so much.
0: Yeah and like you know I guess our mothers or grandmothers and great-grandmothers like that generation were dealing with so much that you can almost understand I mean not almost I can definitely understand like where that conditioning came and like to keep the peace above our own needs at times to be the harmonizers. Like Patrick told me just before we jumped on, he's like, did you know that 100 years ago today in the US, women got the vote? And that the only reason that we got it because a last minute representative, clearly politics is not my thing, like the people who are going to vote, one of them changed their mind at the very last minute because they got a letter from their mother. So that is why 100 years ago today, that we're able to vote. And so it just makes me think I'm like, A, yeah, celebrating, but B, like, wow, we've come so far. We've got a long way to go, but we've come so far in such a relatively short amount of time. And so the fact that as women, we are undoing such, so much of this conditioning, like hearing you say, you know, you're stepping out of that conditioning from people pleasing that is really, I think, quite ancient. You know, it's, we inherit this stuff from years gone by and all this time of feminine suppression and patriarchy that's not good for anyone but wow it's so worth celebrating to feel us liberating ourselves from that conditioning so I'm celebrating you for that and I mean you've been talking about this soul journey you've been on would you say that you had like a spiritual awakening and is that what created the pivot for you would you say it was like a moment or a time or how's that work for you?
1: I think it was really just doing what I knew like in the sense that you know when I was 13 I'd be asking for books on Buddhism and I have always you know just since I was tiny been such a kind of lover of reading about spirituality and different things and it's kind of no surprise that, and then went on to create kind of happy not perfect and I was you know just I've spent my life like researching different kind of tools but if I'm being very honest I wasn't doing a lot of the things that I was reading about like I was inspired by it and mm-hmm. I wanted to create it and help other people do it but actually I was really bad at doing it myself and I think you know it really goes back to our first conversation I suddenly had this time when I could this time was given to me it was like a gift that I was able to actually do the things that, you know, we all know are that are good for us, which is, you know, such simple things, such, again, what we've spoken to us, spoken about such basic things, like getting a good night's sleep and eating well and exercising and really being able to be there for my friends. And I haven't been so much because, you know, I was on so many different time zones and trying to manage like crazy work stresses and just is so simple, but it's just such basic self-care that finally gave me an opportunity to then go deeper like I don't think that mm. for me anyway I couldn't have done the deeper work really 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 look at who I was who I want to be if I wasn't in a healthy place to start with and mm. I think that was the main thing like you know I so often you know have kind of almost jumped trying to do step five before I was really doing step one which is like getting a good night's sleep. Mm, so honestly there's just nothing hugely happened it was so basic
0: it also sounds like it was like a journey almost from the head to the heart and into the body it's like these stuff can be understood on an intellectual level which is really important but also when you can actually ground that knowledge into your physical body and your physical experience it's like a somatic level of healing and it almost kind of sounds like the journey from the masculine to the feminine, dare I say. like Big time. Yeah, and there's so much masculine lineage that's fully intact, like the spiritual lineage that is masculine is fully intact and we know why that is and it's a beautiful thing. It's a really important stuff but the feminine lineages of spirituality and practice have not really been celebrated and often suppressed or destroyed but it's starting to come back and I know that you recently were reading Women Who Run With The Wolves. Mm -hmm. right? Oh my God. Yeah, and doing a lot of work around this like wild woman archetype. And so do you think that those two things are connected, this like journey from just the more masculine theoretical, which is an incredibly important foundation, not dissing it, love it, am into it myself, but also then getting it into your body, through your habits and doing this reading around the wild woman archetype. Like how much has that played a role in this like awakening or this soul growth and healing? It's changed my
1: life. If I can recommend one book,
0: The Women That Run With The
1: Wolves, is that. And my imagination was just blown. But I also interviewed Michaela Bowen, who wrote a book called The Wild Woman's Way. And she's Mm -hmm. an expert on tantra. And it was really interesting speaking to these, like, you know, these kind of reading these older women and speaking to these older women works and them sharing their wisdom with me was has been significant in my change and the running what I realized was actually as you were saying it was just a process for me to get connected with my body every day Mm -hmm. and it was it was like embodying these things not just thinking about them I couldn't I mean I'm so passionate about this this kind of shift from the masculine to the feminine because I basically barely was in a relationship I was so in my masculine and I'm like you know, doing deals, talking about money and like, and the, the my entire, like my entire, I was a scheduled to the hilt. I didn't leave myself mm. five minutes to go off schedule. Like that is really masculine energy. And it's like, do, 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 do. The one thing that Michaela Boehm spoke to me about was there's go, 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 go mode. And then there's flow, 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 flow mode. And that feminine <laughs> energy Love it. is that flow mode. And I didn't even know what flow felt like i was so much mm. go and dancing has been huge for me i follow julianne huff's kinergy and also forward space and the dance place and suddenly i was like oh my god i have a body and i have you know so much different energy points in my body and mm. i think to your point it's in the wild woman's way and the women that run with the wolves you know it's about like accessing the wisdom that our body's giving us and using it to our advantage, and I suddenly I'm like, "I can get just as much achieved in a day by being more flowy and not scheduling then and it was an illusion that I was playing into thinking that scheduling and being super masculine was what was progressing me. um so yeah, it's been kind of like a three sixty on everything I thought was mm. the way to do things.
0: Yeah. Wow. And it's so funny that like that structure we get so in the overstructuring or the over scheduling to try and get this like false sense of security essentially, right? Or certainty. And it's like, that's where that stability is creeping in that pendulum that swings when we were talking about earlier, you know, the part of us, that's like really wanting variety and like here and there and everywhere. But then there's obviously, you know, as bright as a light burns is as tall as the shadow. So it's like that sort of, kickback from that is the other part of us that's desperate for some stability so then we're over scheduling and then we're you know but it's like neither of those things are necessarily the healthy expressions of masculine and feminine or variety and stability and it's like what i'm hearing you say is that you're in this dance with those polarities now in your life you're like it's not like you've thrown all structure away because that's probably not who you are i imagine like hearing that you have these routines and that you're running every day and i'm sure you have like things that you want to get done in a day, but not needing to micromanage it. I always see like masculine is like the stage or the container. And you kind of need that to feel relaxed enough to relax into flow. You know, you need like some structure, but yeah, it's so incredible hearing you talk about this. I feel like you need to interview Rachel Pringle, who's one of my best friends, but I had her last episode and she has an, a wild woman experience. Ooh. And so just hearing me You talk about, I'm like, A, I think you would love her work and B, I think you guys would really hit it off. So that's a little tidbit for for that. Tell us about your more feminine practices. Are you saying you're dancing now? Has there been anything else that's really helped you awaken this wild woman that you're just loving?
1: So dancing, running, and, and my dancing, for example, I now will dance for the first five minutes of my day. So as soon as I get out of bed, I put on my favorite music or whatever the song is because it changes every week. And I just Mm -hmm. dance for three minutes or five minutes. And that has been my best way to start the day. And it like completely connects me with my body. And I feel like I get the endorphins moving. And I do a quick kind of three minute like breath meditation, which is again, super simple and I mean they're to be honest they're the main things but in it also I kind of have slightly changed what I wear as well bizarrely mm. that's been interesting that's been kind of interesting like just to really embrace my feminine and I spent years just in black jeans and a black t-shirt and don't get me wrong I can't wait to bring this back out <laughs> when, the, when <laughs> I do love I do love my black t-shirt my black jeans but more and more I'm like buying different like like exploring with like different dresses or like you know just putting some different colors or even I used to be and again the lockdown has kind of you know forced me to begin with but I've really taken it on but this sounds so silly um, but I used to be obsessed to get my hair blow-dried I would have my hair blow-dried twice a week because it was almost kind of this like it saved me time because I got quite curly hair I would just get it blow-dried mm. it would mean that I could just not it's something I didn't have to think about and I could just work more and it <laughs> saved me time and then obviously lockdown came and that, you know, blow dry ended. And I started just to wear my hair like curly again and like quite wild. And I suddenly am like, wow, I started to like my hair again. I know that it's such a simple yes. thing, but it like means a, kind of a, quite a lot to me because I've hated my hair for so long, you know, from that 17 year old self who wouldn't be seen dead with, in, with her hair natural. So that's been quite a shift for me.
0: Wow, I love that. And you know what's so interesting is I have like quite a few girlfriends who have gone through that process of like letting go of the blow dry and like accepting their hair natural and it's such a beautiful thing. And I think curls and just being in whatever is your natural hair and owning it, there's such a sexiness to that confidence. Speaking of sexiness, how would you say this wild woman exploration has affected how you relate to yes, your body, but also like your sensual expression? if it has it all?
1: Well, funnily enough, <laughs> I would say it's had quite an extreme effect. Ooh. Yeah. Do say but, more. <laughs> well, again, like, because I was so in my masculine, I think that, like, it's so strange that I, I so I spent years being single. Like, I was, I mean, like, basically 10 years, practically. I mean, there was like some breakups, but literally 10 years being single. And suddenly I'm shocked. Like someone even just like smiled at me walking down the street. And I was like, oh my God, that never used to happen. And I really put it down to this like this exploration of this wild woman inside and it's completely Mm. changed my energy and I just never had this like a feeling of sensual I've never thought to myself I was sexy ever 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 and it's the first time in my life that I've gone oh maybe I am sexy
0: yes you are sexy queen (laughs) I've been seeing those insta shots I'm like hey get it And I think that there's just something about the dancing. I mean, I find for myself in hearing you say like you're getting up every morning, you're dancing, you're in your body, you're running, that marks the experience of being in our body as pleasurable and has us saying, yes, being in this body is fun and it's free. And as women, I think we're taught to internalize a no to ourselves, to our bodies, to our ideas, to a lot. We're taught to just say no, 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 no to ourselves and that is like crippling and it's not confident and then we're not radiating energy out but when it sounds like you're in these processes of like dancing and embodying and like marking that experience of being in the body as pleasurable and so maybe now when you're out in the street and you're like feeling yourself yeah <laughs> people are feeling you <laughs> it's
1: honestly i just i so hope that anyone who's listening like this it helps because i really i can't tell you i i like did not i just divorced myself from this idea of me being sexy or like as I said like eternally single and it's just been such a shift and the feeling of this energy around this kind of like root chakra and I'm like oh wow (laughs) it's Mm. really pulsating Um, (laughs) (laughs) and it it is it's all from the dance it's all from the dancing and just like actually going, oh wow, I have a body. And I had just mm. pretended that I hadn't had a body because it was a nuisance in a way
0: before. Do you think that the layer of conditioning on particularly British or UK women is even more so around that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I was conditioned to be polite, n- mm. not sexy, like don't show flesh, don't show any, you know, don't wear too short skirts, um, don't wear too short tops and yeah I mean such heavy 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 conditioning around being conservative so mm. it's unsurprising that I've gone through kind of really challenged my conditioning that I would mm. then be able to kind of even access this wild woman that's inside all of us but it really takes it really takes a lot of kind of challenge your conditioning of like where where did I learn that I wasn't sexy and where did I learn that I didn't deserve to, you know, feel good about my body and on all of these sort of things.
0: Yeah, because, you know, you think about little girls, it's like we're not saying no to ourselves or our bodies. We're in rapture. We're like, wow, this is so fun. This feels so good. I like this outfit and I want to dance here and this flower smells really good. And like, we're just in rapture and reverence of our bodies and such sensual beings, like such incredible teachers little girls are about how to be in your body and be in the world and in celebration so yeah you're right like it is learned right I just cannot wipe the smile off my face I'm so happy for you my love and I can just feel that energy oozing and radiating off you and it's like it's really exciting
1: thanks angel well angel was very much a part of my
0: journey in shedding a skin so many thanks to you Um, I absolutely literally my life's greatest pleasure. (laughs) Um, we're gonna move into rapid fire questions, but I just have one last question for you before we move into the rapid fire, and that is knowing what you know now on this journey that you've been on, what does success mean to you now? What is success?
1: Well, funnily enough, I'm really massively in a moment of like redefining what success was or what success is. But I think true success is just being aligned with what lights my soul up and yeah that's it it's it's living in alignment with what my soul lights up waking every single day waking up every single day and having that feeling of going yes like yes 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 this is the expression I want to be putting out in the world.
0: She's lit up for life, folks. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, you can't write this shit. Um, yes, that is also my North Star queen. Does this light me up? Bless. Couldn't have ended it on a better note. So rapid fire, are you ready? Yes. So someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Everything passes. Mm, doesn't that just make your nervous system relax when you just hear that and reminded that everything passes? What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Listening. Mm, no one has said that yet, and it is so true. If you could be an animal, any animal, what animal would you be? A wolf. Oh, oh! I see that for you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Take away pain. Ooh, great. Choice and that says so much about the generosity of your spirit. If you could only take one spiritual practice, one tool with you to a desert island, what would it be? Dancing. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Get it, <laughs> Queen. What's your favorite thing that you own? I actually got this question from you because you've asked me this. <laughs> What's your favorite thing that you own? Great question. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> ask my own questions to myself.
1: <laughs> It sounds so bad, but I'm going to say my mobile phone because I can talk to my friends on it. So what else?
0: It's kind (laughs) of like, I just love being able to talk to people. Yeah, I feel that connects us to people that on the other side of the world, we would have had to be waiting for like letters for weeks on end. So I feel you. Is there anything that you believe is true that other people might think is crazy? Oh, yeah. So many things
1: <laughs> that we choose our parents, that we have many past lives, and mm. each life is here to evolve us to the next, and that we are always being looked after by our guides. And everyone has different, everybody has different guides, mm. and they there's no such thing as a coincidence everything is a coordinated instance mm. and that the planets can tell us things yeah and angels are everywhere i'm quite i mean i'm quite I'm you're in quite, the right place
0: honey <laughs> <laughs> you're on the right podcast <laughs> these are your people We are your people.
1: Good. This amount of times I have to like tone down and really talk about the science of things, and I'm like, just ask your, get in contact with your guides, and I should speak to my mom.
0: Me too. They're always available. They're always trying to get through to us. If you could eat one meal before you die, sorry to do that to you, what would it be?
1: You know what? I just love fish, so it would be like loads of fresh, yummy fish and shrimp and scallops and like and like sashimi. And then I love like coconut, like sorbet and, and then maybe, you know what, quite randomly, I do love
0: a French onion soup with like cheese on top. (gasps) Me too. It's so good. Love it. I'm really down for that menu. I'll come to that party. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So last one, if there was a universal answering machine. And you could leave a 15-second note on it that everyone in the world would hear today. A few words or sentences, what would you say?
1: Anything you're going through, someone is definitely going through it at the same time as you, and life is always happening for you, um, so look out for the diamonds in the rough because there's always going to be a diamond and a gift to whatever you're going through.
0: mm. Bless that, Queen. Thank you so much for gifting us with your time, your energy, your expertise, and your wild woman. It's been such a pleasure to have you on, my love. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I- hope that anything I've said has helped anyone who's listening and it's just always such a treat to work together and your work consistently inspires me and I love following your social media and you are just so special so thanks Angel.
0: Speaking of social media, baby girl, where can people find you?
1: Just at Poppy Jamie, which P-O-P-P-Y-J-A-M-I-E. And yeah, DM me there if you've got any questions. If you're looking for a new mindfulness app, try out Happy Not Perfect. You will see Angel on there. So hmm. that is exciting. And Happy Not Perfect is an account full of just super positive notes every day so I suggest following that and then I have a podcast called the not perfect podcast and you can find that on any podcast platforms
0: they're all great happy not perfect the not perfect podcast is epic this woman is a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and giggles you always make me giggle too queen so thanks for being here and I look forward to that book coming out Ah, thank you so much fingers crossed Thanks for listening, beautiful, divine human beings. And remember, if you are feeling the call to go deeper in your spiritual transformation, if you are desiring to deepen your community, to have sisters walking on this path beside you, to have my one-on-one support and some in-depth spiritual initiations, transformations and just profound healing and embodiment of ecstasy that you're so worthy of then come on over to www.litupforlife.com forward slash awaken you're going to get all the info on the group coaching that's opening up soon and how to apply i'll see you there